from the Strike and Spare Family Fun Center Studio. It's the Bill King Show. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Go get it, dog. I'm a man! He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. I'd is sitting on a firecracker. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. It's a fantastic day for the United States of America. It's the Bill King Show. Call or text now. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Call us or send us a text on the WNSR text line. 615-844-5600. 615-844-5600. Call or text. Same number. Red 7. I don't know what Red 7 means. Brought to you by Omni Nashville Hotel. Fifth Avenue, downtown. Hot Rock. That's what we call a sack lunch. I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. AJC's Dog Nation for those Tuesdays. Griff, spending a pretty good chunk of your life in Michigan, were you at all surprised last night with their national championship? No, I was more surprised um, with how it came down. I mean, I don't think I've seen officiating play that big of a role in a national championship game in a while. How about the aspect where Michigan, in some form or fashion, adopted Georgia in their daily routine, practicing and getting ready for this season? Well, I mean, they got handled pretty good by Georgia in the Orange Bowl uh, a couple years ago, and they saw where the bar was set in college football, and and so they they went at it, and they said, you know, let's let's have a beat Georgia period where they're going to work a little bit harder, and and um, double down and remember what their goals are and, you know, do everything they can to win football games. And so that's what they set out to do. What did you see officiating-wise that would have altered that game? Did you watch the game? Yes. I, I thought that that was somewhat of a phantom hold on uh, the big play Washington needed when they were down a touchdown, about a 35-yard gain. And- you tweeted that. Yeah, I saw you. And, and and it was kind of a tiki tack call. And then on the next drive, there was a really obvious hold missed on a on a really big Michigan play. I mean, those are those are two game changing plays and momentum plays, and that's a game of momentum. Now, I I think you know Michigan was the better team, um, but Washington hung in there. They made adjustments. I mean, after those first two touchdown uh, breakaway runs, I mean, Michigan really didn't do anything for a while, and that game was in the balance. Um, but Washington did a good job with their schemes and their coaches. They clearly were undermanned. Everybody looked injured. Their running back looked hurt. Their quarterback looked hurt. Um, and Michigan looked powerful. But Michigan kind of kept stepping on themselves. And, and I kind of feel like we were robbed of the game that we were supposed to see. Um, 
by really, like I said, kind of a fan. I, I don't, I mean, I, I can't even believe it was called a hold. I mean, even, I mean, when Tim Tebow's calling you out, it's pretty bad, folks. And and that was a really bad call um, that went against Washington and really changed the flow of the game. Several folks, Mike the Mad Dog, Noonan, Georgia, Tom in Myrtle Beach, want to know, Griff, your thoughts on Jaden Mayava, the transfer quarterback from UNLV, selecting Georgia. Yeah, I mean, Kirby said he wanted to get a fourth quarterback. I mean, that's, that was not news. He um, said he was going to do that uh, at a press conference in Miami, and, and they're not going to bring somebody in that's not good, right? If you're going in the portal, you're going to get somebody that can – they can play the game, and you know the guy's talented. And and you know I guess the big question looms now of, um, you know, how does Gunnar Stockton take this? Does he take this? And is there a competition for uh, number two in spring drills? Does that mean somebody necessarily leaves? Um, it's a backup position to Carson Beck. Obviously, that's going to be the starting quarterback for Georgia next year. Is you know they set out to to try to survive the SEC season and get into the postseason healthy, something they weren't able to do this year. Um, but, yeah, anytime you bring in a quarterback, it's it's always news. And an interesting player had quite a season at UNLV. Griff, and you just mentioned it, this is for after Carson Beck, but this kid is a certain potential starting quarterback. We, we don't know how that's going to end up, but this kid's not a backup someday. Well, I mean, everybody Georgia recruits, they're recruiting to start someday. True. I mean, there's, there's nobody's yeah. getting brought up, brought in to be a, a backup. I mean, maybe a walk-on for depth or, um, you know, maybe you, you take a chance on a guy, but you take a chance on a guy thinking he can turn into a starter. I mean, I remember, you know, a lot of people thought Georgia was taking a chance on Lad McConkie. I mean, this kid grew up a Tennessee fan and he wanted to play for the Vols so bad he couldn't stand it. Uh, couldn't get a scholarship offer from Tennessee, and Kirby offered him. Um, went and saw him play basketball, saw the character, um, talked to the kids, saw he had a big football IQ, and said he was going to give him a chance. And McConkie grew into, you know, probably one of the best receivers in the country when he was healthy last year. And um, So everybody gets recruited to start. But I, I hear what you're saying, Bill, but, um, again, this is this is kind of the Georgia playbook. I mean, they recruit really good guys and, and develop players, and um, there's great competition for positions. And, and, and guys, some guys win the jobs, and, you know, the guys that don't, you know, transfer to other schools and start, it seems like. Well, there's a 15-day window in April, and I guess after spring they'll all have to decide what they want to do. Yeah, there'll be more attrition. I mean, this is what college football has created, um, free agency, uh, unrestricted earnings. Um, I'm not sure what to say about it, except it is what it is. I mean, there's some constitutional rights that, that people have to earnings. Um, they don't always seem to fit sports, so sometimes there's some congressional oversight, but that has not happened yet for college football. Mike Griffith, AJC's Dog Nation, joins us. So the UNLV quarterback, he'll be there for spring, right? Yeah, as far as I know. I mean, it's, you know, it happened yesterday. So, I mean, like again, it, it's Georgia's got a lot of work to do. I mean, they, they you know, the bet, you know, I, you know, we're wasting bandwidth talking about the backup quarterback position. They've they've got to get some defensive linemen um, to step up. That's that's where they lost their championship this year was at the line of scrimmage, and you know their inability to put pressure on Jalen Milrow. Um, that's kind of what won the national championship for Michigan. I thought was their defensive line and their ability to disrupt and 
there's only so many of those big cats to go around that can play like that. And um, that's that's really got to be a, an area of need for Georgia is to get dominant on their defensive front again. Um, and then they'll have a chance. Is that coming to them in the name of recruiting, the depth, transfers? Yeah, development. Um, they got. A, I think they got a couple bigs coming back, and Stackhouse and Brinson. Those are good guys. Um, you know, Big Baby Hall is a kid out of Florida that a lot of people think has you know big time potential. Christian Miller is another one. Uh, got a transfer from South Carolina. They got a chance to be good. They, they need some of these outside linebackers to step up into that edge rush role. They've kind of been lacking that. That's an area George has been special when they've won championships, and uh, they weren't special there last year. Um, look good at linebackers. Got some rebuilding to do in the secondary. A lot of talent there. Lose three out of their four starters back there, but a lot of talent to plug and think they'll be fine. And then offensively, I think they need another game changer on the perimeter. I'm not convinced that the Vanderbilt receiver can come in and be that game changer. I mean, he he came from Vanderbilt, you know. So um, I think he, I don't think he had more than 51 yards receiving in any game, and and that's you know that program is is very different than Georgia. We'll see if he can if he can handle the Georgia practices. Question here on Twitter from Jim in Statesboro wants to know, is Georgia done at least for now taking players in the portal? Well, I mean, there's a window. Uh, I think they got, what, five days after the last game or something like that. I, I mean, as far as we know, they are. Uh, the, the portal window's pretty much expired uh, for the most part. Um, so I should get somebody from Michigan or Washington, I guess. But uh, – for now, and then we'll see what happens in the spring, right? And, and and like you said, there's going to be more attrition after those spring games when there's a 15-day window. And I, I think Georgia probably will take more players. I, I don't think Kirby's done. I think he recognizes that uh, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive in the portal uh, than he was a year ago. Um, you know, I think losing a Donnie Mitchell or uh, Edney Mitchell, however he's pronouncing his name now, I know he's changed that. To Texas probably cost Georgia a national championship. Um, you know, want a little bit more firepower. They probably get past Michigan, or excuse me, they probably get past Alabama, um, or or if they stay healthy. You know, the schedule turned out to work against them. You know, we we talked at the beginning of the year of how light it was at the beginning, but nobody realized that they would play three straight top twenty-five teams in November. And you know, who was Michigan playing then? Right, they played one game against Ohio State of relevance um and and it was a fresh and healthy michigan team and and they looked really good and they caught the breaks that they needed tweet here says i still think georgia was the best team in the country maybe at their best but not at the end of the year i mean georgia fans um when vlad mccarkey and brock bowers were healthy they were outstanding, but they probably picked a bit too early. Um, I know Tennessee fans uh, that saw Georgia come in there probably uh, saw a pretty good team. I think Old Miss was, was supposed to be pretty good, and they got handled pretty easily. Um, but by the time they played Georgia Tech, you know, they, they, you know, that was a one-score, you know, it was a single-digit win, and then they lost to Alabama. Those, those were two non-impressive wins. When they played Florida State, I thought they were refreshed and they looked really good. Um, Would have been interesting. Uh, again, line of scrimmage. Michigan's line of scrimmage was better than Georgia's this year. Uh, if you have a healthy Bowers and McConkie, maybe you compensate. But as I told one of my friends last night, uh, you give Michigan those officials, uh, they could have beat the 85 Bears. I mean, you, you just 
you just can't have a game called that differently on both sides at the line of scrimmage with the holds and the non-holds. And, um, yeah, like I said, I just thought we deserved better as college football fans and followers. Griff, what's it going to be like next year with all these teams moving to new leagues, 12-team playoff, unlimited free agency? Yeah, it's a war of attrition, you know, and, and it may be tough for the SEC. You know, when they, they beat each other, again, you look at Michigan's schedule and they re- they really don't have to get beat up during the year. It's a soft schedule compared with the way these SEC t- – like I said, Georgia played th- Georgia played three straight top 25 teams, okay? They, they played a Missouri team that beat Ohio State in a bowl game. Uh, they played a Tennessee team that beat Iowa 35-0, to all right? They played an Ole Miss team that, that beat Penn State. That's who Georgia went through in November. And then they played a Georgia Tech team uh, that was hell-bent uh, on beating them. And, oh, by the way, Georgia Tech uh, had a pretty impressive bowl win, too. That was Georgia's November, Bill. That's who they had to go through. Then they played Alabama on a neutral field. A pretty good Alabama team on the day when Jalen Milrow, um, you know, wasn't falling all over himself. So that's a pretty tough stretch. Co- contrast that to Michigan, Michigan's November schedule. Right? And they beat Ohio State. And what? What else? Could they be in the Big Ten title game? I can't even remember such a lopsided Iowa. Game. Okay, well, the same Iowa team that Tennessee beat 35-0, to okay? So if this is how it's going to be, you know, the SEC can't add the next conference game that people want. It's already uh, a tough stretch of games, and now you add a playoff, there's going to be more attrition. So, um, you know, maybe advantage Big Ten um, because of, Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC. It's going to make it really hard uh, when these teams beat each other up like they do during the season. Again, um, a healthy Brock Bowers and a healthy Lad McConkey. Sad part about Brock Bowers, you know, talking to people in his camp, it wasn't about how good Vanderbilt was. It was about how bad their field turf was, and that's really sad. Don't don't get me started on Vanderbilt's crappy facilities again this morning, Bill. Uh, but that did that affect Georgia's season? It absolutely did. Griff, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bill. Next up, Gator Dave. Wow, the shots at Vanderbilt. What was that about? Griff had to do it. Good morning. They've got this rank over to the side on 24 eastbound just before 440. Of course, it's the heaviest on the other side there on 24 westbound. Approaching 440 as it really starts to build even more. 24 westbound up through the Hickory Hollow area. Coming in right now from Murfreesboro, Rutherford County. Up in Sumner County, it remains very slow on Vietnam. Vets coming westbound between Gallatin and Hendersonville. Hey, Princess Hot Chicken is hiring at all four locations. Order online today at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time track. The traditional first year anniversary gift is paper. Yay! Envelopes. The traditional 10 year anniversary gift is tin or aluminum. Are there sardines in here? And the 20 year anniversary gift is the chance to win up to a million dollars. Now that's what I'm talking about. It's our anniversary, but we thought about what you'd want. The new 20th anniversary Jumbo Bucks Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. 
Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same, but is 95% cheaper? And you can get it online? Just go to hymns.com slash joy. Through hymns, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, a 100% online process, and trusted generic alternatives to the name brands at up to 95% off. That's right, get generic for Viagra, the same active ingredient as brand name Viagra, but for 95% less. It's the same medication, still prescribed by a licensed medical provider, but with zero copay, no expensive appointments, and no awkward face-to-face conversations. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, hymns.com slash joy. That's hymns.com slash joy for your free online visit, himscom slash J-O-Y. When was the last time you did something fun with family, friends, co-workers, and clients? What if I told you about a place under one roof that offers affordable entertainment for all ages? That's what you'll find at Strike and Spare Family Fun Centers in Donaldson, Hermitage, Tusculum, Hendersonville, and Murfreesboro with bowling, games, food, drink, and entertainment for all ages. Enjoy an enhanced experience in Hendersonville or Murfreesboro where they feature additional fun with bumper cars, laser tag, roller skating, and more. All locations are open seven days a week, including holidays. Visit online at strikeandspare.com. Strike and Spare, where fun is bowling. It's the McFarlane Show with Darren McFarlane and Fox 17's Justin McFarlane. You look at Vanderbilt and, you know, during my time there, and I was there seven years, but the reality was we went to a couple of bowl games, and I think Vandy's been to seven bowl games in the school history, okay? Uh, and we beat Tennessee three years in a row, and that's never been done. We beat Georgia, okay, uh, at Georgia, and I don't know the last time Vandy's done that. The McFarlane Show with Darren and Justin on Nashville Sports Radio WNSR. He knows more about the oblong spheroid than any man in America. It's Bill King. And Dave will get it to the Gators and all that's happening. But last night's championship, just get some thoughts from you on it. Yeah, Bill, I think um, once we got to the playoffs and Michigan's two games, I think being able to really control Alabama and Washington's both deep passing game. I think that was the biggest difference for me. Uh, Alabama, while not their most prolific offense of some of the recent Alabama teams, was still able to, you know, kill you with explosive downfield plays in the passing game. Michigan stopped it. And then probably against one of the best offenses in the country and then also in that area as well, be able to do it again. Uh, So uh, that was my biggest takeaway for last night. 
the playoffs as well is, you know, Michigan. I think the biggest reason they won this title was because of their defense and really being able to stop but what the opposing offenses were really good at. So, yeah, Penix, uh, he was a little bit off last night, but I think it had a lot to do with Michigan uh, and the defense and the pressure they were bringing. Uh, but I think you know, a lot of credit is given to uh, them being able to stop the, you know, probably I, I think the main uh, the, the main positive for those two offenses. So uh, I know a lot of talks is going to shift to what what's next for Jim Harbaugh, and he kind of said everything right last night, Bill. That he looks like he'll still be in Ann Arbor, but I know that'll be uh, the storyline everybody's following moving forward. But uh, very, you know, very, very interesting uh, to to see a team in, in this playoff format as the four team goes away. Um, you know, a team that uh, hasn't won a title since the '90s. Uh, go out that 14 playoff as the as the team ho- hoisting that trophy for the last 14. The other notation is in the Alabama game and the Washington game. You could tell very early that Michigan was better in the trenches. Yeah, and th- that was the reason I picked. Um, uh, I I picked Alabama in the in, in the first game, but right. uh, just, just the reason I was picking Michigan against Washington this time. Uh, was because of the trenches on, on both sides of the ball, Bill. But you're right; it was from the get go. Now credit to Washington for not letting that game get out of hand because that's certainly the way it looked like it was heading. Uh, but and especially you know with, with their offense, and they had to get a little more methodical. They they had to you know march down the field a little bit more than they're used to. Uh, but in the end, it was just yeah a lot, a lot more trench warfare <laughs> there for Michigan uh, to get their first title there since the, the 90s. And uh, Bill, I didn't realize, you know, they're, they're a big brand, uh, Michigan, of course, but their first outright title since the 40s. So that was, uh, that was kind of, that was, that was, I think I kind of knew that in the back of my head, but to, to see it out there was kind of uh, astonishing that the, the, the big brand that they are, uh, that's how long it had been. Some transfer news, good news for the Gators. Yeah, Bill. Um, certainly locally here, uh, here in Jacksonville as well, for uh, uh, a kid that uh, you know I certainly wanted in a class a year ago. But Florida needed linebacker help, and they got it here with Grayson Pup Howard. Uh, went to South Carolina for a year out of here in Jacksonville, but now ends up in Gainesville a year later. So, yeah, uh, only you know nineteen tackles last year, uh, his first year at South Carolina, but certainly looking to build on that there at, at Florida. Scooby Williams transferred away. Uh, so now you bring in Pup Howard there to to, to kind of fill and, and give Florida a true linebacker bill. I mean, Scooby was kind of a tweener uh, from an edge player to a linebacker. Uh, now you got somebody with the instincts of a linebacker, somebody who put up a ton of stats as a linebacker in high school uh, there. So it's kind of a kind of a, kind of a good trade off there for Florida. In the end, uh, Devon Manuel, offensive tackle from Arkansas. Uh, he started uh, some games for Arkansas last year, Bill, and kind of came on at the end of the year last year. So you get an offensive lineman that's got some SEC experience that can get into that tackle rotation for Florida where they desperately need some numbers. Uh, an edge from Northern Illinois, uh, Northern Illinois, George Gums. Um, kind of an under-the-radar type of player there, Bill. Uh, Florida lost Cassius Howell. Uh, yeah, to um, Texas A&M uh, yesterday. It was another edge player Florida was going to be in for uh, there from Bowling Green, but did get an edge player from Northern Illinois and George Gums. Uh, so, you know, he'll get into that rotation with a bunch of young players like Jack Piper and TJ Searcy, uh, Kelby Collins, you know, Justice Boone comes back next year from an injury. Uh, so Florida needs some experience there uh, at the edge spot. Uh, and the thing about Gums, 
he only played one year there. Uh, he was an offensive player. <laughs> he played he transitioned from tight end. Uh, so they're trying to get some untapped potential there, I think, from Gums. And then the most recent bill is a, a two-lane um, a defensive back, uh, 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 of course, from – that 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 commitment was Sunday or Saturday, I believe, in D.J. Douglas. Uh, he transferred – he spent two years at Alabama as a walk-on, then transferred to Tulane uh, and you know, put up his best season this past year to give Florida another option in that safety room so they don't have to rely on young guys like Jordan Castell and Bryce Thornton uh, to, to, to kind of carry the load from this past year uh, in their second year. So getting some experience on the back end there to go along with Troquist Bridges, who was an Oregon pickup from the transfer portal a couple of weeks ago. So uh, eight total right now, Bill. We'll see where they go next, of course. Well, a couple more targets I'll go over, you know, before um, – you know, before we get off here, is C.J. Daniels. He's a wide receiver from Libertyville. Uh, visited oh, yeah. Florida over the weekend. Uh, Florida could desperately use him as a big-time outside receiver to go along with Eugene Wilson to give him a good one-two punch. Uh, Auburn visit on last Friday, visited Florida on Saturday, visited Texas on Sunday. Uh, we'll see where he goes. Uh, I think he may even take some more visits here uh, before it's all said and done. And then Yam Banks. Uh, is another defensive back from South Alabama uh, that Florida is trying to get in on right now. Or they're in on Bill. We'll see um, if uh, they can pull him in to get some more experience in the secondary. Uh, really, really good player uh, on the backside uh, of, you know, he's uh, all-time, all, all Sun Belt, uh, multiple times uh, there. So need to get some more experience there in the secondary and Florida's trying to do so. So uh, eight so far, Bill, and a couple more targets out there that I think they'll be going after as well. Tell you what, Wilson was probably Florida's best receiver as a freshman. Yeah, and you you know you had Pearsall uh, to go along with it. Yeah, probably. And Bill, he probably would have got a thousand yards if Merch didn't get hurt <laughs> at the end of the year. He probably would have got that thousand yards against Florida State, right. uh, but gave Florida a, a good you know one two punch. I think this past year, but. Certainly, Bill. I mean, it had been since, you know, Percy Harvin or and Antonio Callaway since you had seen freshman receivers do what, what Wilson was able to do uh, th- th- this past year. And, you, of course, he, he was awarded for it with all kind of all freshman SEC. Uh, but you could certainly tell about midway point of the season, Bill, that Georgia game where, you know, he had the first touchdown of that game. He was certainly integral in the early game plans of games and, uh, I think now the next step is him for you know to extend his route tree get with a little more experience, far to find a way to get him more involved, you know, past those early scripted plays uh, to get him the ball just a little bit more. Uh, but uh, I think you got to be completely happy with what you saw him. So it would be nice to get somebody like a you know a, a Daniels to be a true X receiver, a true outside receiver that can take the top off of the defense. Um, you know, spread the defense out and let Wilson work underneath, let him take some of those screens uh, that we saw for big-time gains. So uh, I think, you know, where Florida, where Florida is at at receiver, um, it's it's okay, but I think you'd like to give him some help uh, to have a good, you know, true downfield threat to open up the game a little bit more. Are all the midtermers on campus? Uh, no, Bill, there's a couple – one that comes off my head that I think that is not is I think Aaron 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 Childs is not going to be on campus uh, early on. But yeah, all the guys who are the the mid year, the guys who are the early enrollees, they got on campus this past weekend. Gator Dave, Gators breakdown. 
very, very popular podcast. He joins us each and every Tuesday. Anything left for the Gators? Is is Are they winding that down, and then we'll see what happens in the April two-week window? Uh, yeah, Bill, it's like, uh, you know, coming up, the draft – the ad drop date for summer semester classes will be coming up in the next few days. So, you know, you got a couple of days to, around that to play around as well. I just gave you a couple of names to look out for uh, to who they could add. And, you know, we'll see. I think there's probably been some visits that are not so much public that may be happening as well. And then we'll see where, where, where it comes from that. But, yeah, it, it's kind of dwindling down to where you see who the targets are right now. Uh, and, and see if you know who they can bring in and build something that might change a little bit. I don't know if you saw this; it kind of came out a little bit late yesterday. It's not Ron Roberts, uh, Auburn's defensive coordinator, is going to be coming to Florida. Uh, that may be announced today. Uh, to kind of, you know, he's he's got this title of executive head coach, co-defensive coordinator, linebackers coach. Uh, Florida was, of course, looking for a linebacker coach there after Jay Bateman left to go to Texas A&M as their defensive coordinator. Uh, but now getting a whole lot of experience. And from what I can tell, what I'm hearing, Bill, it's, it's really going to be a you know, co-defensive coordinator there with Austin Armstrong, who one of the youngest defensive coordinators in the country. Uh, and Ron, he was a, a GA under Ron Roberts at Louisiana when Roberts was defensive coordinator for Billy Napier at Louisiana. So now it gets kind of paired back up there with uh, Billy Napier here uh, in a defense that's really got to turn it around, Bill. And he, he had some turnaround for the Auburn defense last year. Uh, this past season, so Florida's getting an experienced defensive uh, defensive mind uh, to help out Austin Armstrong and, you know, to try and turn around that defense. I found that a little interesting. He's the coordinator at Auburn, which is a good job. Yeah. Florida, obviously, is a very good job. Was there any kind of issue at Auburn, or was this just, hey, appreciate the opportunity. Here I come. Yeah, Bill, I, I – I I certainly want to do some more digging. Like I don't, you know, have great sources at the on the Auburn side. From what I can gather, it looks like he maybe wasn't happy there. Um, and I don't know if you know it's not a good relationship with Hugh Freeze or or something like that. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I don't think this is a move that's made if everything's rosy on the Auburn side. So it makes me think, you know, there there is a little something on the Auburn side. You know, not. Uh, and not not saying who's at fault. I have no idea. Just saying it doesn't look like it's the it doesn't look like it's the best relationship there. Is that it? Uh, because the fans always want to know if Billy's going to do something offensively. <sighs> yeah, Bill. I mean, that's the one. For as far as offensive coordinator, I'm not so sure it happens um, anymore. And they have. You get different answers when you start asking around a bit, and it looked like a for sure thing uh, at one point that an offensive coordinator was going to be hired. But uh, I'm, I'm not so sure, Bill. I mean, we're, it, unless you know, it, it's if it's coming from the college ranks, it's weird that it hasn't happened by now. But you know, the Ron Roberts thing just happened yesterday, so you know, uh, you, you don't really know. It makes you think maybe if it is going to happen, there's some maybe NFL tie uh, to go along with it, Bill. But um, you know, it's uh, I, 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 I'm not so sure anymore. It doesn't feel like there's going to be any additions there. It doesn't, Bill. And I, the conversation of should it happen or should it not happen kind of goes along with, all right, well, the offense isn't 
you know, it isn't the problem for this Gator team. It's, that's clearly the defense. Um, but at the same time, Bill, for the Florida offense, you know, they can be a little more consistent. I think they do leave points on the board. You know, there were too many times this season where Florida would be up by a touchdown. They'd have the momentum. They could go put another touchdown on the board, but they were never able to, to stretch a lead uh, when they had the opportunity to do so. When you knew it was only a matter of time before the defense <laughs> would give something up, Try and build a lead. Try and build some pad in the game. You know, the offense really couldn't do that. Um, so is that nitpicking? Well, maybe. But at, at the same time, knowing what you have on the other side of the ball, you know, it would have been nice for Florida to build some leads there. So, And also at the same time, Bill, you know, the, the, the game management part of being a head coach and you know all the penalties you would see on Florida and the special team issues and the kind of game flow issues that you would see, you know, would that open up for those things to be fixed if Billy Napier wasn't so concentrated on being the play caller on game days as well. So it's not necessarily because the offense is so, so bad, Bill. It's just can that open up things, improvement in other areas on on the field. So um, that's the the main reason uh, I think we see the thought of wanting an offensive coordinator at Florida. Dave, tell everybody how they can get your shows. Yeah, Bill, everybody can get it at GatorsBreakdown.com and all the podcast platforms out there, YouTube version as well. Uh, we'll certainly uh, sometime today be hitting on this Ron Roberts hire there for the Gators and kind of glance over the transfer portal a little bit more as well. See you next week. See you, Bill. That was a fantastic job. Catch in hour three. About 20 minutes in hour three. Jeff Ketchum. Omni Nashville Hotel. Good morning. It's still very slow to go trying to get through Sumner County. It's been that way for an hour, at least uh, maybe an hour and a half now on Vietnam. Fence going westbound between Gallatin and uh, Hendersonville. Again, give yourself extra time. It's been a struggle trying to get in through that section of Sumner County. It remains heavy 24 west uh, as you come up through the Hickory Hollow area in right now from Murfreesboro towards Nashville. Wilson County traffic down I-40 through Mount Juliet also starting to build pretty good. Hey, Princess Hot Chicken hiring at all four locations. Order online today at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Prince's Hot Chicken, Nashville's original hot chicken, with three locations serving Middle Tennessee, south on Nolensville Road, 5th and Broad, downtown, and the new location at Tanger Outlet Mall. You can now order your favorite flavor of heat online at princesshotchicken.com. And don't forget dessert, including special holiday pies. Prince's Hot Chicken in three locations and princesshotchicken.com. Prince's Hot Chicken, Nashville's original hot chicken, We all know that Nashville life can get hectic. In the middle of all the madness that is life, don't forget to take care of yourself. Treat yourself to Nashville's ultimate relaxation experience at Mokara Spa at the Omni Nashville Hotel. With services for men and women, Mokara Spa at the Omni Nashville Hotel is your one-stop shop for full-body treatment. Begin your experience in the exquisite relaxation room, then enjoy a full-body treatment or even a couple's massage before finishing in the salon. Located on the fourth floor of the Omni Nashville Hotel, Mokara Spa is Nashville's highest quality 
Quality Self-Care Oasis. To book your experience or gain information on packages, call Makara Spa today at 615-761-3600. Again, 615-761-3600. Or log on to theomnihotel.com. And with every booking, you'll have free valet parking and rooftop pool access to enjoy the Music City skyline. And through Labor Day, enjoy the fourth floor spa terrace for only $20. Mokara Spa at the Omni Nashville Hotel, 5th Avenue, downtown. And now, Childress Collision Center is reminding motorists to slow down on our roadways, keep an eye out for kids at play, and never text and drive. This message is brought to you by Childress Collision Center. Family-owned and operated, Childress Collision Center is backed by a century of combined experience. From a scratch or a dent to a full collision repair, trust Childress Collision Center. Stop on by 1108 8th Avenue South in Nashville or call 615-266-4441. 615-266-4441. That's Childress Collision Center. They're people who care. This is the Grant Fogue and John Burton Show. John Morant, first game back after the 25 games, 34 points, 8 assists, and he hits the game winner at a walk-off. Welcome so, back. Hello there. Yeah. Uh, happy for the Grizzlies, happy for the city of Memphis. Good to have them back. Let's keep them there. Stay healthy, ball out, keep your nose clean, be the superstar that we know you can be. Grant Fogue and News Channel 5's John Burton. WNSR. Nashville Sports Radio. King is the king of college football, and his sample size is large. Just ask him. Butter Assassin says, Bill, I heard Joel Klatt say Michigan got a defensive coach from the Ravens. I don't understand X's and O's that well, but they are supposedly doing stuff on defense at Michigan nobody else is doing. Said maybe, maybe Coach Pete can talk about it. Yeah, Pete will be with us Friday. I believe they're talking about Jesse Minner, who actually was here at Vanderbilt, too, prior Jesse Minter has done a fantastic job at Michigan. He's done a wonderful job at Michigan. And how old is Jesse Minter? I think he is, what, maybe 40? Something like that. But, yeah. And and the connection there is, of course, John Harbaugh, his brother, is the head coach. Might be winning a Super Bowl there this year. But, yeah, that's, that's what he's talking about, I believe. Mentor was at Vanderbilt just a couple of years ago. And prior to that, he was with the Ravens for about three, four years and had just been working himself up. He actually 
was an intern at Notre Dame about 15-plus years ago. This guy has worked his way up pretty rapidly. And remember, we were talking to Coach Pete about it. His dad, Rick, mentor, who many of you will know that name, was, among other things, a head coach, and he was the head coach at Cincinnati for the Bearcats in the mid-1990s for about eight, nine years, somewhere in there. But I believe that's who you're talking about. Yeah, Jesse Mentor, and I don't know what year it'll be, and but, but he is working his way into being a head coach. He's one of the really good members of that staff they have. No Kev up in Chicago. Bill Griff not watched any college football this year. Fishing as a whole, officiating as a whole, hasn't been very good, and I think we can all agree the SEC wasn't what it usually is. And did he judge the B1G based on bowl games? I, I'm just not a big, I never have been, for whatever reason. That that just overall officiating equals the outcome of a game. Now, it could be a moment where there's a controversial call that could have gone either way and it would have altered the game. Yes. I just don't let that stuff bother me. It just never has. I know I'm I'm in the minority there. I get it because I see Twitter... Every time there's a game, somebody is talking about the officiating. And I will admit, yeah, I mean, there are times when officiating doesn't look very good. It just doesn't grate me that much. To me, when two teams line up, assume human mistakes are going to be made. And play as if that's going to happen, and you're going to have to overcome it. Now, I understand you're going to say, yeah, but Bill, if it gets in, and this has been, this is a word that has been on the verboten list. I'm going to break the rule just for this one moment. If it's egregious, which can happen, then I understand. I understand, but I just, I just don't. It's never been part of my makeup, even if I vehemently disagree with a call and a game, to then equate it to the outcome of a game or let it bother me that it might have been in relation to the outcome of a game. I just don't. Not sure why. I just don't. Yeah, just don't. Jim and Jupiter put up a poll, and it was, and I did retweet it. Let me let me find it here. Here's the poll. Who are the most, did he use the term obnoxious? No, annoying. Who's the most annoying person on the show? He posted it about 30 minutes ago. The choices are Griff, Wolverine Dan, 
a.k.a. Natty Danny. <laughs> Armageddon and Jeff in the Borough. Right now, Wolverine Dan leads at 35%. Jeff in the Borough and Griff tied at 30%. And Armageddon at 5%. Armageddon hadn't called in a long time. But that's the that's the choices right now. Yeah, let's 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 see how this thing turns out. They let you put these polls up what for twenty four hours? Yeah, let let's get let's get the voting going here. Let let's see what everybody uh, thinks about this. Yeah, I voted. I voted. Who did I put on there? I think I'm the one that hit Armageddon just because nobody else is picking Armageddon. I like Armageddon. All right, let's get the break. We're coming right back. Omni Nashville Hotel. Good morning. We're seeing heavy traffic in a couple of spots like Vietnam Vets has been struggling this morning coming in from Sumner County through Hendersonville headed towards Conference Drive going westbound on Vietnam Vets. Eastbound is slow out here through Kingston Springs at times headed into uh, Bellevue there. West Nashville on 40 going eastbound. It's stacking up pretty good over here with some volume on 40 westbound. And the Hermitage right now coming in from Wilson County 24 carrying a heavy volume of traffic westbound up through the Hickory Hollow area in from Murfreesboro. 24-7 reliable crane and rigging services in Middle Tennessee. Make it Tomahawk Crane and Rigging. They're online at TomahawkCrane.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Attention high school sports fans. Are you an armchair official? You know, the parent or fan who constantly yells at the referees and loves to let everyone know just how bad you think they are. Well, if you think you could do better, then get in the game and prove it. It's time for you to suit up and make the calls where they actually count. Every sport in Tennessee needs more officials. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. We all make resolutions this time of year, and let's face it, most of them won't stick. But here's one that's not only easy to keep, but will help you feel healthier all year long. Navage. Navage provides quick, drug-free nasal relief by washing saline in one nostril, around the back of the nose, and out of the other nostril. This time of year, when everyone is sick, Navage helps by sucking out germs, bacteria, and viruses trapped in our noses that cause us to feel miserable. And come allergy season, it does the same with dust, pollen, and other allergens. And unlike medications that can take time to help, if they're effective at all, Navage helps treat congestion symptoms in seconds flat, without drugs. This New Year's resolve to use drug-free Navage to help you breathe easier, sleep better, and feel healthier all year long. Ask for Navage at Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Target, or find us online at Navage.com. Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose. Healthy life. 
With 13 locations nationally, including Smyrna, Star Leasing Company is a semi-trailer one-stop shop and the perfect place to build a career as a semi-trailer mechanic. Seeking candidates with all levels of experience, Star Leasing Company has a semi-trailer technician trainee program with sign-on and quarterly bonuses and other opportunities such as $1,000 for having a yearly physical. Package also includes 401k with company match, health, dental, and vision insurance, competitive pay with weekly paychecks, and paid holidays and time off. Star Leasing Company, not your typical semi-trailer leasing company. It's StarLeasing.com to learn more. The TSU men's basketball squad came through a challenging non-conference schedule with a winning record and now turned their attention to Ohio Valley Conference play. The Tigers kicked off a run of 18 league games over a nine-week period through February, leading the OVC Championships part 6th to the ninth at the Ford Center in Evansville. And part of that, nine league home games at the Gentry Center. Hello, this is Greg Pogue inviting you to join longtime TSU broadcaster Albert Dawson and me on all the games this season right here on National Sports Radio. The home of commitments and other stuff. The Bill King Show. Vince checking in this morning. Bill. Go Blue National Champions. That's true, Vince. Feels good. I always tell fans. Unless it's unless it's Alabama, relish these. They're hard to come by. Even as well as Michigan played, just winning the national championship, they're hard to come by. For most, they're impossible to come by. Relish it. Don't take it for granted. You could have a team comeback. You could have a Michigan team, which on paper I don't think this is the case. But let me just, I'll give an example. Michigan could come back with a better team next year than they've got now. And it would be very difficult to repeat. It'd be very difficult. Tom in Myrtle Beach. Bill, I'm with you. My pet peeve is fans blaming officiating. I have never watched an Ohio State game that an official dictated the outcome. Either way, there is more than a blown call that dictates whether you win or lose. Yeah, I've always felt that way, but most fans don't look at it that way. You want to know the very first time a call in a ball game? It involves Vanderbilt. I'm a kid. I believe it's 1973. It's the spring. It's the NCAA basketball tournament. Vanderbilt is playing Marquette. It's one of the first times I ever saw Al McGuire. And that Marquette team was good. And Vanderbilt back then had the F troop. If you go back that far. That was Joe Ford, Jeff Fosnes, and 
Butch Fear, along with Jan Van Bredikoff, I believe. Was, was Jan still? I think he was. And they get down early in the NCAA tournament to Marquette. They come back, and I believe they tie it. It's late in the game, and back then there was a rule in college basketball you could not dunk the ball. I believe that was the Lou Alcindor rule. You cannot dunk the ball. And I believe it was a putback or something, but Marquette, and it was one of their 6'9", might have been Bo Ellis, but one of their big 6'9", power forwards, just wasn't a tomahawk dunk, but he dunked it, clearly dunked it, no call. And I remember getting mad. I got so mad that my dad turned the TV off. He said, if you're going to act like that, we're turning the TV off. (laughs) And that was that. That's the first time I remember watching an event, whatever, right? Basketball, basketball game. And as a kid growing up here, I would listen to the Vanderbilt games on radio. Very few. You catch some on TV, but very few. And I would get the Tennessee games. Tennessee's network went everywhere in the state, so I'd get them game, those games too. I would get – who was it uh, – well, it was John Ward for Tennessee, but who who was the Vanderbilt play-by-play? And he ended up going to Arkansas. He was on TV here, and he did the radio for Vanderbilt. But, oh, I'm looking at the guy. But anyways, yeah, I was listening to those games. That's my only way to, uh, to keep up. Georgia Dog Bill, the final AP poll, Michigan, UW. Two, Texas, Georgia, Bama, 4-5, Duckies, Seminoles, Missouri, Ole Miss, and then the Buckeyes were 10th in the AP poll. I, I saw it. I didn't pay much attention to it, but yeah. Absolutely. Mike the Mad Dog down in Noonan, GA. Bill, you're definitely in the minority about bad officiating. One bad call can have a butterfly effect over the rest of the game. And Georgia Dog then points out the on three 2024 top 25 and it's got Georgia, Texas, Bama. So the first three are SEC teams. Duckies, Buckeyes, Michigan. Next three are Big Ten teams. Ole Miss, seven. Notre Dame, eight. Penn State, nine. And Missouri, ten. Yeah, Notre Dame is absolutely a playoff roster. Playoff team. Got to go out and do it. They've got Utah, 11. Sooners, 12. LSU, 13. Arizona, Jed Fish. 14, Vols 15, Nico. Oh, have you seen this? And I don't know if it's out there. The nickname for him, Polynesian Peyton. And actually, actually, their game, their their overall game is not that similar. They're both tall. They both have arm talent, but Nico is a very good athlete. Peyton Manning's not an athlete. I mean, well, he's not a spectacular on-the-field athlete. He's an athlete. He's a quarterback. But I'm talking about a difference-making, mobile, moving-around athlete. So their, their game types are much different.
Oh, the other one I saw. Did you see this one? Joe Milton. Overthrow Joe. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Yeah, Joe threw a lot of tons of yards. He did. He did. All right. We'll come right back. Omni Nashville Hotel. <laughs> 